Come on. We are in a series on the book of Acts. We left off last week right at the end of chapter five, going into chapter six, but it is Pentecost weekend, and I want to go back to Acts chapter two on the day of Pentecost. If you have a Bible, go to Acts chapter two. You can make some noise. We get excited about the word of God. If you're taking notes, by the way, note takers are history makers. So I always encourage anyone that I'm with, take notes, take notes. God wants to speak to you. If you got a pen, a notepad, uh, a, a ability on your phone to take notes, just put in Acts chapter two. The title of the sermon is Spirit Filled. Turn to the person next to you and say, what spirit are you filled with? See, our world is filled with a whole lot of spirits. We don't have a lack of spirits in the world. There's spirits going everywhere. Paul said in Ephesians 6, we're not in a battle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and spirits of this dark world that we live in. Make no mistake, the shooting that happened in Tulsa, it was a demonic spirit that was in that man's mind. We are in a battle not against flesh and blood. We are in a battle in the spirit. And right now, what our world needs more than ever, people are, are arguing about what's going what's gonna to fix things. What are we going to do to solve this? What are we going to do to change this? What are we going to do to stop sin from happening in the earth? What are we going to do to stop murder from happening? Can I tell you, the only hope we have is the power of Jesus Christ changing people's lives, the power of the Holy Spirit, because all over the world, since the fall in the Garden of Eden, sin has happened. Murder has happened since Cain and Abel. Senseless acts of violence has happened for thousands of years. Thousands of years, man has been sinning, breaking the law, doing whatever they want to do. And our only hope was found in the book of Acts when Jesus poured out his spirit and the church was lit with the flame. And people who were deranged in the mind got healed. People who were possessed by demons got delivered. People who were broken and messed up and planning to commit heinous crimes and acts of violence, suddenly their lives were turned around by the power of the Holy Spirit. Our only hope for America is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you right now, it is no coincidence we're in the book of Acts right now as a church. In fact, I feel like I've been getting calls, texts from pastors saying, what, what stirred in you to do this series on the book of Acts? I said, I just felt like this is what our church needed. They said, I feel like our church needs that too. I've been trying to pray for direction for our church, and, and we're going to lean into this series that your church is doing on the book of Acts. I think right now what our world needs is to be reminded of what Jesus built his early church with. The power of the Holy Spirit is our only hope to bring healing to a hurting world right now, to bring hope to deranged minds, confused minds, people who are dealing with all kinds of stuff. So in Acts chapter two, verse one, when the day of Pentecost came, by the way, Pentecost just means 50, 50 days after the resurrection. Some of y'all are like, what is Pentecost? I have no clue what he's talking about. Pentecost was 50 days after Jesus rose from the grave. He appeared to 500 people, and he invited all of them to go and pray in the upper room and to wait on the promise of the Holy Spirit, but only 120 out of 500 showed up. Y'all, sometimes only 24% will show up, but all I need is two or three who are gathered in the name of Jesus Christ, and whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever we loose on earth. He gives the keys to the kingdom to the few people who will show up, even when the world is screaming, fear, stay home. You don't know what's going to happen. There is a faithful group of people that will show up, even on the week that tragedies happen, that will show up to pray in 
the upper room. And I feel like today is another Pentecost day where God is wanting to pour out his spirit on the church. They were all together in one place. That means they were unified in heart and mind. They weren't just together physically. They were together spiritually. You know, you can be with someone physically, but not with them mentally and emotionally. You can be in the same room with people, but have hurts, grudges, bitterness, anger, resent. Like you see that person in the room, you're like, I'm not even looking at them. You're physically in the room, but you're not all together in one, one heart, one mind. These disciples, they had put aside all their differences. They had laid aside all their hurts, their wounds, their baggages. A divided world needs a united church, and it starts with us forgiving one another. When the church is not fighting the spirit of darkness, we start fighting each other. When Christians aren't fighting the real enemy, we start fighting brothers and sisters in Christ. And I'm telling you, it's a distraction of the devil to get the church in petty little fights with brothers and sisters in Christ over political differences, over different preferences. We've got to come together and say the main thing is Jesus. And we've got a big enemy, but we have a powerful God who lives inside us. Greater is he that's in us. So these disciples, they were together. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. Y'all, this was powerful. When the Holy Spirit showed up, he showed up with such power, it filled the whole house. What spirit has filled your house this week? Is it a spirit of fear? What spirit has filled the city of Tulsa this week? What spirit has filled America What spirit has filled California? What spirit has filled the states of our nation? What spirit has filled the White House? What spirit has filled our politicians? What spirit has filled our companies? What spirit has filled our public schools, private schools? What spirit is trying to run your house right now? Is it a spirit of confusion? Is it a spirit of hopelessness, a spirit of depression, or is it the Holy Spirit? Because our only hope is the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit showed up, all of a sudden, the whole house where they were sitting, it was like tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of the disciples. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, this this set a fire across the city of Jerusalem. Revival happened. And can I tell you what revival is and what revival isn't? Revival is not just a six-hour-long church service. Revival is not just, you know, people getting slain in the spirit. Revival is not just you uh, uh, getting an increase in your finances and you get to get a nicer car, bigger house. Revival for me. No, let me tell you what real revival is. Revival is the revitalization of the church. It is a divine attack on the spirit of darkness. Revival is the marshalling of forces that would be fatal to the kingdom of Satan. Revival is the enlisting, training, and empowering of believers as a prelude to evangelization. Revival is God's military tactic that concentrates his power for a vital blow at a crucial moment in a nation. Revival is that which reinvigorates God's people with his truth and his power. Revival is not just when a few miracles happen inside of a church building. Revival is when it flows outside on the streets. A radical change that starts in the heart of a believer that results in a radical change in their life that affects their entire community. Revival is when a church is set ablaze with a passion and a hunger for Jesus to invite the Holy Spirit to help them impact their territory so that they have a profound impact in such a way that the world becomes better because this church had revival inside of it. Revival raises the esteem of Jesus. 
Revival doesn't point the focus to a person. It points the focus to Jesus. Revival makes Satan's kingdom suffer. Revival makes men and women hungry and responsive to scripture. Revival causes a church that was dead to wake the heck up and get engaged in God's kingdom purpose. God wants revival in your life today. God wants to revive whatever has been dead inside our souls. So Lord, today I pray that you would fill us with your spirit. Help us, God, to leave today with greater encouragement from your word and your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. In just a moment, I'll call our worship team back up. I want to give you five ways to live spirit-filled. Five ways to live spirit-filled. I heard uh, this last week my boys were asking me about the Holy Spirit, and we've got five kids under the age of eight, so pray for us. Uh, Our three oldest, we have an eight-year-old, six-year-old, and a four-year-old. They're all boys. They all wrestle. They all fight. We need the Holy Spirit helping us raise them, and they've been asking me questions about the Holy Ghost, and so they're like, you know, now tell me about this ghost. Is he a dove? Is he a flame? What does he look like? Does he, like, what, how do we know when the Holy Ghost shows up? It reminded me of a story I heard about this pastor, true story. He was preaching in a church, small roof, small ceiling, and uh, right above the pulpit, the ceiling was just right above the pulpit, there was a hole where a vent used to be. And so he was preaching on Pentecost, and he wanted to have an illustrated sermon. So he got a dove, and he asked a, a young boy in children's church, would you crawl through the tunnel above the pulpit? And when I say the Holy Spirit came down, I want you to release the dove. Um, Because in Matthew 3, when John baptized Jesus, the Holy Spirit appeared like a dove. So he said, I want want the church to get a visual image of how the Holy Spirit is like a dove that came down. So he says, the Holy Spirit came down, and nothing came through the hole. He said, the Holy Spirit came down, and still nothing came through the hole. And finally, he looks up, and he's in the middle of church service. Everybody's watching. He's trying to, like, not be embarrassed. And he goes, the Holy Spirit came down. And the little boy shouts back, Pastor, a cat just ate the Holy Ghost. Do you want me to throw the cat down? (laughs) So the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, is not a dove, although he appeared like a dove. He's not a flame. He is part of the Trinity. For so many believers, the Holy Spirit is this mysterious it. We don't know who he is or what he is. Can I tell you, in the Bible, it is a, there is a clear description that the Holy Spirit is God as a spirit in our lives, that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, they are all part, they are, he is a person. The Holy Spirit himself is a person, a spirit in our lives. Though we can't see him, He affects and impacts our life. As believers, we are called to live with a power that comes from the Holy Spirit. So the first step in living a spirit-filled life is number one, believe. We've gotta believe. Jesus told his disciples, you believe in me. Now I want you to believe that I'm going to the Father to prepare a house for you. If I did not mean these things, I wouldn't tell you. And believe that I'm sending you a helper, an advocate. Believe that the Holy Spirit is for you. When Peter began to prophesy in Acts chapter two, he said, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on some people. I will pour out my spirit on a few people, on the good people, on on a certain political party. I (laughs) I will pour out my spirit on just Americans, 
No, he says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, on all people. Y'all, this is a promise for us, not just for pastors, not just for missionaries, not just for front row, front pew, church going people, but for the back row, the middle row, for the first time guests, the Holy Spirit is a promise for you, but you've got to believe it. It starts with believing that that Holy Spirit promise is for me. Somebody say, he's for me. He says, your sons and daughters will prophesy. He's not just for you. He's for your kids. There is no junior varsity Holy Spirit. There is one Holy Spirit. And did you know this Holy Spirit comes with salvation? There is not a second salvation. I've heard somebody say this before. You know, I got saved, but I didn't receive the second salvation of the Holy Spirit. And I was like, what? And what Bible are we reading here? Because when you receive Jesus, you receive the whole Trinity. You receive Jesus Christ, the Savior. You receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. It comes with the ticket. I heard this story about this man who bought a ticket on a cruise ship, and um, he was going from one country to another country. And every night, there would be restaurants filled with steak, lobster, crab legs, fried chicken, mashed potato. I mean, the best food. There was four different restaurants on this cruise ship. There was music, concerts, live bands, music. People were dancing, having a blast, but he would always be outside the restaurants, walking past the trash cans, looking for crumbs, looking for leftovers. And he would look through the window and see the people having a fun time, eating this great food. And on the last night of this cruise you know, trip, Someone came to him and they said, hey, I've seen you eating from the trash cans. I've seen you looking through the windows. Why have you not come into the restaurants? Why haven't you come in and enjoyed the live bands, the music, the dancing? He said, well, you know, my ticket didn't include that. I bought the ticket, but it didn't include. And the man looked at him and said, wait, what? He said, every person who bought a ticket for the cruise trip, the meals were included. The music was included. The dancing was included. You could have had all of this the entire time you were on this trip. For the last 14 days, you've been eating from the trash cans when you could have been eating filet mignon and lobster from the table. You know what? There's a lot of believers that think the Holy Spirit is only for some people, that it's only on some people's tickets. But can I tell you, every single believer, kids, teenagers, messed up families, dysfunctional homes, the Holy Spirit is for you. The Holy Spirit is for your son. The Holy Spirit is for your daughter. The Holy Spirit is for broken homes. The Holy Spirit is not just for a perfect few group of people that grew up in church and understand it. The Holy Spirit is for all of us, but we've got to believe it. Oftentimes, we are limiting our access to the abundant life God's called us to walk in, not because God doesn't want us to have it, but because we don't think we deserve it. We don't think it's for us. The top grossing films in our world, the movies that have made the most money, are all movies about supernatural ability. If it's not supernatural ability, it's action-packed, bold, courageous movies like Top Gun Maverick. Right now, everyone's talking about Top Gun Maverick. Did you see how he was flying? And he did it in two and a half minutes, and he was going like this, and he was flipping the, you know, the fighter pilot. He's going to grab, I mean, it's so awesome. And I was, I was watching the movie. I thought I was in it, too. I was like, I could do that. And I was telling Ashley, I should have been a fighter pilot on the side. And she was like, no, stick to your job, you know? We can't all be Tom Cruise. But, you know, we watch these movies and we see these people do bold, courageous things. And we think, man, it's only for some people. Did you know Jesus said the works I do, you will do and even greater works than these? These disciples were untrained, uneducated guys. Peter was a cussing fisherman who cut someone's ear off. Just just question. Has anyone cut someone's ear off before? 
Okay, then listen, if God used Peter who cut someone's ear off, denied Jesus, cussed, missed it, messed up, God can use you too. But you've gotta believe this Holy Spirit empowerment. What does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit comforts us, the Holy Spirit empowers us, the Holy Spirit helps us. Jesus said the Holy Spirit is our advocate. He's the one who counsels us, guides us into all truth. The Holy Spirit strengthens us. Jesus said, it is to your advantage that I leave because when I leave, then the promise of the Holy Spirit can come. He said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he's gonna give you words to preach. He's gonna give you strength on your bad days. He's gonna comfort you in all your afflictions, your opposition. He's gonna help you. Let's go to Acts chapter six. In Acts chapter six, the disciples, this is where we left off last week, they started growing, increasing. And th there was people who started complaining among them saying, you're not taking care of all of the widows. There's a group of widows that are being overlooked. By the way, the Holy Spirit doesn't just empower us to demonstrate you know, miracle signs and wonders. The Holy Spirit empowers us to show compassion. The Holy Spirit empowers us to be the hands and feet of Jesus. This is why as a church, anytime something bad happens, victory will always be on the front lines of helping people. This is why we're gonna be serving meals this week at St. Francis Hospital. We've got Dream Team volunteer staff members that are gonna be bringing meals, praying for people, and you might go, well, what if these people get, you know, what if they don't even believe in Jesus? What if they don't like victory? What if they don't come to our church? That doesn't stop us from showing the love of God. We're gonna keep on showing the love of God. We're gonna keep on showing up and showing practical help. We're doing a whole luncheon for first responders. I was talking to a policeman yesterday. I said, hey, you're invited to a lunch at our church. He said, really? He said, why are you guys doing this? I said, we just want all the first responders in Tulsa, Oklahoma to know that Victory is praying for them. He said, how much does it cost? I said, it's free. We're going to feed you. We're going to pray for you. We're going to lay hands on you. We're going to encourage you. We're going to let you know that there's a church that's got your back, that's praying. How many are thankful for the first responders in our city? This isn't the first time we've done this. We did this for firehouses last year. We went to different firehouses, just visiting all the firemen in our city, all the paramedics, just letting them know, hey, Victory's praying for you, Victory loves you. When a spirit-filled church catches the compassion of the Holy Spirit, we start thinking of strategic, creative ways to minister to people in our city, and suddenly people who were turned off to the gospel, their hearts are unlocked and open because the church is taking care of not just widows and orphans, but police officers and paramedics and first responders and St. Francis and St. John hospital workers. I'm telling you, God wants to use a spirit-filled church to bring life to a world that is hurting. So number two, the second way that we live a spirit-filled life is hunger. 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 In Acts chapter six, they started realizing, we need help. We can't take care of all these widows. We need more people to help us, but how are we gonna get it? And they started praying in the spirit, trying to get a strategy. These disciples, every time there was a, every time there was a problem, they went to the Holy Spirit. But even when there wasn't a problem, they would be praying and asking God for wisdom and for, for his help on a constant basis, the power of the Holy Spirit. A hunger stirs up a receptivity in our hearts for what God wants to do. I remember going to Brazil when I was a, uh, in college and, and went again with my wife. Right when we got married, we went on mission trips with our church. And we went and ate at a um, place called the Chahascaria. Chahascaria. It is a Brazilian steakhouse. And let me tell you, it is amazing. The Holy Spirit is moving through the Chahascarias. And we were sitting there, and I was watching as the first time I went, they started bringing out these big, 
you know, with like meat on a knife and they're bringing out the meat and they got picanha, they got ribeye, they got filet, they got all the different steak flavors. They, they had lamb, they had chicken. It was, oh my goodness. And I'm watching and they're bringing it to all these tables and they're skipping me. And I said, Ashley, they don't like me. Why are they not bringing it to me? What did I do to them? He keeps on bypassing me. And the missionary leans over and starts laughing. He says, because your card is on red. I said, what do you mean? He says, you've got the red color on right now, which means stop. I don't want it. I don't need it. He said, turn it over. And when I turned it over, it was green. He said, keep the card on green, Pablo. Keep the card on green. He said, then it says, I'm hungry for more. It says, I want more. Give me more steak, Pablo. So I'm like, yes, let's get some more steak, you know? So I kept the card on green and all of a sudden the steak started coming. They started bringing all this meat. They start shaving. And Ashley said, you've had enough. I said, I haven't had enough. I need more. I just, my eyes were so big. Can I tell you, God wants his church to keep the card on green, to say, we want more of the Holy Spirit. We need more of the Holy Spirit. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for him, for they will be filled. Jesus said in Matthew chapter five, verse eight, blessed are those who hunger, hunger, hunger. You are blessed when you're hungry for God. You want to live a blessed life? Stir up your appetite for the Lord. When you go through a crisis and don't just wait for a crisis to get hungry. See, some of us, we don't get hungry and humble until we're in a bind, when we're at the bottom of the barrel. But God says, can you be hungry on a mountaintop? Can you be humble when you're in a good season in your life? Can you get on your knees even when things are going well in your marriage and in your family? Can you still get on your knees on Monday and say, Holy Spirit, I need you. I'm hungry for you. I need your help. I'm hungry for your presence. Lord, I can't do it without you. Number three, how do I live a spirit-filled life? A humble posture. It comes by humbling yourself. This is, this is moving from hunger is a desperation, but humility is a posture of surrender. It's to say, Lord, not only am I hungry for you, I can't do it without you. I need you. Lord, I'm broken and bankrupt without your spirit. So, Lord, I want Pentecost to hit my house today. I need Pentecost to happen in my marriage, in my family, as a dad of five kids. Lord, I need your Holy Spirit help. When my fuse is short, when I'm tempted, I need the fruits of the Spirit. I need love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. I need the Holy Spirit. I need the power gifts of the Spirit. I need the gift of wisdom, the gift of knowledge, discernment, interpretation of tongues, speaking in tongues. I need prophecy, Lord. I need faith, God. Listen, the Holy Spirit not only gives fruit of the Spirit that changes us to become more like Jesus, you can tell a Spirit-filled person is not perfect, but they're becoming more like Jesus. But not only that, there's gifts that come from the Spirit. Paul tells the Corinthian church, all of us should eagerly pursue the gifts of the Spirit. If you can't speak in tongues, ask God for wisdom. Ask God for faith. There were moments where my mom and dad were walking through all kinds of opposition and adversity. This happened in Acts 6 when Stephen was chosen to be one of those people that would help in the church. And they start spreading out the load and the labor of the church. And all of a sudden, opposition comes. And I remember asking my mom as a teenager, I said, Mom, how, how do you guys 
handle opposition, adversity? How does dad get up and preach? Even though behind the scenes, I know he is facing some crazy stuff. And, and how do you guys move? And she said, there is a supernatural gift of faith that comes by the power of the Holy Spirit to move forward. See, spirit-filled people, you can't keep them down. No matter what tries to knock, they might get pushed back, but they keep bouncing back up. A spirit-filled person has an, a, a perseverance against adversity, which means that come hell or high water, you might be able to push me back, but a righteous man, though he falls seven times, he will get back up again. He will keep getting back up. He just keeps on bouncing back. A spirit-filled person is not a perfect person. It's a person who's yielded to the power of the Holy Spirit. I want the band to come back up. I remember working out in the weight room, and, and there was people that would basically be called spotters, that when you were on the bench press, you needed a spotter. And there were certain times where we didn't have enough people to spot. So everyone was kind of you know on their own, and we were working out. One time I was bench pressing, and I thought, I can do this. I can do, I got this. See, so many people are living self-empowered lives instead of spirit-empowered. We're self-driven, we're self, we, we kind of are a selfie-focused society, and uh, we feel like I can do this, it's DIY, do it yourself. I got this, I can, I can mom this, I can dad this, I can, I can carry this on my own, but God says, no, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. And I remember one time I was bench pressing and thinking I could handle it, and after a couple of reps, all of a sudden, the bar just came down on my chest. And I was like, I didn't want to be, you know, I didn't want to ask for help. I was like, I, I think I got this. I got, I got. Help, help, a little bit of help now. Little bit of help, help! You know, finally, someone came over and lifted the bar off my chest. And see, the reason we don't ask for help is because we're prideful. We are prideful. We don't want to admit that we can't do it on our own. I'm prideful sometimes, and I've gotten lost where Ashley and I, we've been driving, and she's like, do you know where you're going? I'm like, absolutely. I'm the man. I know where we're going. I got this. She's like, you sure you don't need my help? I'm like, nope, I got this, babe. Just let me handle it. Don't, don't talk to me about what to do. Just, you know, I got this. Let's just talk about other things. You know, don't tell me how to drive. I got this. Don't act like you've never acted like that, you know. And some of y'all like to tell them how to drive. And so anyways, there was one time where I got us really lost. And finally, Ashley's just like, you ready to admit that we are lost? I was like, yeah, we're lost. And she was like, now do you need my help? I said, yes, babe, I need your help. She said, thank you. Just call on the Holy Spirit. I'm here to help you. I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit flowing through my wife. How many are thankful for the Holy Spirit flowing through your wife sometimes? And... Um, and she said, all right, I got this app. This app is going to tell us what to get, do. And, you know, the app's like recalculating. You are lost, but I will find your way back to where you need to go. And we got back where we need to go. You can't get to where God's called you to go until you humble yourself. And, and we need to come back to this place where we say, Lord, I need your help. Jesus said, those who humble themselves will be exalted, but those who exalt themselves will be humbled. The lower I go, the more that his power shows up, where I just say, Lord, I need you. Holy Spirit, I'm counting on you. Lord, I depend on you. I depend on your strength today. I depend on your voice today. I depend on your counsel today. Lord, when I don't know what to say, when I don't know what to do, when I'm not sure where to go, Lord, I ask for your Holy Spirit to guide me, direct me. Lord, arrest me with your Holy Spirit. 
Let me be in submission. You can't get over what God wants you to get over until you come under who God wants you to come under. When we come under the authority of the Holy Spirit, it is literally a, it's a power move. You know, I talked about this a couple weeks ago, um, playing Nintendo with my kids. There was a certain code you could type in where you would have turbo speed, acceleration speed, blitz, 96, PlayStation 1. Um, but you would, it was shift control, shift control, shift control, shift control, and then you would snap into turbo mode. And here's what the church needs to do. Shift control, shift control, shift control. Stop trying to control our lives. Come under the authority of the Holy Spirit. Shift the control back to him. Humble yourself and he will exalt you. Lower yourself and he will lift you up. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, but those who humble themselves. Number four, how do I live a spirit-filled life? I repent. You don't get to a place of repentance until you get to a place of humility. Humility opens your heart to say, Lord, I need your help. Lord, I need your grace. Lord, I'm asking you. See, when Peter started preaching on Pentecost, 3,000 people got saved. A, a beautiful revival lit across Jerusalem. But the only way it happened, if you read Acts chapter 2, they said, how do we get this gift? How do we get this salvation? How do we get this new life that you're talking about? Peter says, repent. Repent. They were cut to the heart. They were humbled by the scripture. The scripture brought them down to a place of going, oh my God, we need you. Our, our families need you. Our kids need you. Our society is messed up without you. On Wednesday, I got a phone call from uh, Ash and I. We were doing first Wednesday dinner as a family, and we had just finished dinner, and we went outside to just walk as a family, and, and I'd left my phone at, uh, inside the house, and so we were on this long walk, come back, and I had all these missed calls. And I look at my phone and it's channel two. They're trying to call me. And I listen to the voicemail and they say, Pastor Paul, we need someone to come pray. Our city is in a crisis right now. And we, we know your church is a church that is full of prayer. Would you come and pray? And y'all, that Wednesday, we had been praying during our noon Wednesday prayer. And I didn't know what we were praying for, but I felt like we were praying specifically for Tulsa. And when I got that call, I said, do you still need me? They said, yes, come. We're, we, we need to get in touch with your buddy, Mike Todd. I said, yeah, let's get Mike there too. We'll both come and pray. So as I'm driving to, to go pray at the hospital, I'm thinking, who can I call? Who can I call that's ever been in a crisis like this? What pastor can I call that's ever walked through a mass shooting in their city? And, and who should I talk to? And I'm thinking, maybe I'll call one of my elders because I have a group of elders that oversee me and they can you know, rebuke me, correct me, remove me. They can do anything and encourage me. So I'm thinking I'll call Larry Stocksdale or John Bevere. Maybe I'll call Ron and Lynette Lewis or Terry Henshaw. And I'm thinking maybe I'll call one of these guys. And then I thought, I wish I could call my dad. Dad would know what to do. I wish I could call him, but he's in heaven. I still have his number on my phone. I'm thinking, maybe I'll call him. And I heard God say, call the Holy Spirit. Call the Holy Spirit. Call the Holy Spirit. Stop name dropping and call the Holy Spirit. Stop acting like all these other people are going to be able to help you when only the Holy Spirit knows what you need for this moment right here, right now. And I say this because so many of us in this room, when we're in a crisis, we call everybody else before we call the Holy Spirit. When we're up against, when we're at the bottom and we're trying to figure out, what am I going to do? I've never been here before. I don't know how to handle this. And I'm overwhelmed and I just need a friend and I just need someone. I need a dad to talk to. I need, I need my mom to talk to. I need somebody to help me. I need, I just need somebody. And God says, call on the Holy Spirit. 
He's your advocate. He's your counselor. He's your guide. He's your helper. He's the only one who knows how to handle situations like this. And we need people. Trust me. We need groups. We need community. That's why we do victory groups. But there is no one who can help you better than the Holy Spirit. There is no one who will be able to minister the words that you need like the Holy Spirit will. So I just started praying. Holy Spirit, help me. I don't know what to say. I'm about to be on live news praying for a city that just watched a shooting happen and I'm about to pray for hospital workers and Lord I've never been in a place like this so God just direct my words I don't want to say something dumb and I don't want to I don't want to mess this moment up and I don't want to miss this opportunity to minister to our city and minister on this channel and and the Lord just started speaking to me just started speaking a word of peace to me just started giving me counsel and comfort and then when I started talking to the news anchor she said I've been working for channel 2 for 26 years she said I interviewed your dad back in the 90s I remember talking to him about something that happened in Tulsa back then. She said, can I tell you, you had the words that our city needed tonight. Your prayer over me and Mike's prayer, you guys brought such a peace that our city needed tonight. It was like God was using you. She said, you just, there was something through that what God was doing, it was the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you will find yourself in places where you don't know what to say, you don't know what to do, but as the Holy Spirit gives you utterance, he will give you the words to say when you don't know what to say. Here's the fifth way to live a spirit-filled life receive receive so number one you believe number two you hunger number three we humble ourselves number four we repent of sin and by the way the holy spirit convicts us of sin to receive his forgiveness not to condemn us but to set us free would you stand your feet all over this place we're just going to end right now with an opportunity to respond to the holy spirit As Stephen started preaching in Acts chapter 6, they seized him. Opposition grew. And they looked at him and his face was shining like an angel in verse 15. Suddenly he was facing the adversity he was in with such faith, such grace that something was on him. There was an anointing on him. As these disciples would walk through all kinds of trials, they would have an anointing that would break yokes. They would have a grace to handle every everything that the enemy threw at them, every fiery dart of the enemy. Some of you are in opposition right now. Some of you are in adversity. Some of you are facing confusion. Some of us in this room right now, we don't know where to turn. We don't know who to call. We've been scrolling through our social media contacts. We've been scrolling through our our numbers, our text messages, and God says, put the phone down and call the Holy Spirit. Put down your social media, turn it off, and just lean into the presence of the Holy Spirit. He wants to give you courage. He wants to give you boldness. He wants to give you a sound mind. He wants to help you to sleep tonight. He wants to give you the the, the words to speak to your friend that just lost a loved one. He wants to help you this week to go minister compassion to people that are hurting, that are broken. He wants you to stop generational curses that have been in your family. He wants to give you the strength this week to handle what comes on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. He's not just a Sunday Holy Spirit. He's a Monday Holy Spirit. He's a Wednesday Holy Spirit. He's a Thursday night at midnight Holy Spirit. He's a Holy Spirit that shows up even when you feel overwhelmed and drunk and and, and afflicted and addicted and, and connected to your old lifestyle of sin. The Holy Spirit wants to come into your life and interrupt the plans of the enemy and bring hope and bring life. I will pour out my spirit in the last days on your sons and daughters. So right now with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you want more of the Holy Spirit, it's like God is stirring up your appetite. He's saying, I want you to crave, I want you to want more of the Spirit. If that's you, I want you to just lift your hand up across this room. You're saying, I want to walk in greater 
spiritual awareness that God is with me. I want to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. I want to move in the power gifts of the Holy Spirit. Some of you are here today and you say, I'd like to, I'd like to receive the gifts of the Spirit, whatever gifts he's got for me. If it's speaking in tongues, if it's on the ticket, I want it. If it's in the restaurant and it's part of the invitation for salvation, I want those gifts in operation in my life. Secondly, you're here today and you say, Paul, I'm not right with God. There is sin in my life that I need to repent of and I need to get things right. I need to surrender to him. If that's you, just lift your hand up today. There is forgiveness of sins. There is freedom for you. There's deliverance for you. If you've had confusion in your mind. If you're about to go back to work and fear has been trying to paralyze you, today is your day to receive faith. If you raised your hand or you want to raise your hand, I want you to leave your seat. Come and join me at this altar. We're just going to take a few minutes just to stir up to stir up a hunger for the Holy Spirit to touch our hearts and our minds, to heal, to save, to set free, to deliver, to restore, to renew. Yeah, that's it. Just leave your seat. Come and find a place at this altar to say, Lord, I'm putting the card on green. I want the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit. I want your power. I want your freedom. I want your authority in my life. I'm coming under the covering of the Holy Spirit. I'm coming under the submission of the Holy Spirit.
your advocate. And he's drawn to your surrender. God is more impressed with your, your surrender than he is your success. He is more attracted to your weakness than he is your strength. He says, when you are weak, I'm strong. In your weakness, my strength is made perfect. My grace is sufficient for you to raise those kids, to handle this season, to walk through this temporary pain. And it's temporary. Don't let the enemy convince you it's permanent. What you're walking through is not permanent. Things are going to turn around. You're going to make it. You're going to get through this. God's not finished with your story yet. Your best days are not behind you. You haven't sang your best song yet. You haven't seen your best moment yet. No eye has seen. No ear has heard. No mind has perceived the things that God has prepared for those who are called according to his name. God says, I'm going to fill you with my spirit. And I'm going to remove the spirits that have been attacking you. There has been a spiritual attack against you. There has been a defamation that has tried to assassinate you. And God says, you're about to win the case. You're about to see a reversal of what the enemy has brought again. Every lie is broken off of you in Jesus' name. He's your attorney. He's your advocate. He stands between you. The blood of Jesus surrounds you. He goes before you and behind you. He protects you like a force field. He surrounds you with songs of victory. He reminds you, if God is for you, who can be against you? And the same spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead dwells inside you. Resurrection life comes from a spirit-filled space. He says, I'm breathing fresh life. I'm breathing fresh hope. I'm awakening you to your purpose, to your assignment. You're here on purpose because you have a purpose. In our last service, uh, uh, a family came up to me and he, um, he said, you know, I've been here for a couple years. And he said, I don't know if you knew this, but I am the director over all of St. Francis South and Glenpool St. Francis. And he said, um, I've, I've got to meet with all the workers, all the employees. And, and he said, I just want to thank you for what Victory Church is doing this week to minister to people. And you came to the prayer vigil on Friday night, meant a lot to the coworkers there. Um, but he said, would you pray for me? And as I was praying for him, I just said, I felt like God was putting a garment of light over him that as he walks in the building where, where people are carrying heaviness, depression, anxiety, fear, the place that was once safe for them now feels scary, that, that when he walks in the room, he's going to be able to minister hope to hopeless people, faith to people that are afraid. And as I said, it just here, he said, I received that. I feel that that God has anointed me here at Victory to go back into my workplace this week to help those that are hurting. And I just speak that over many of you that are here in this room. And I pray for business men and women in this room. The enemy has tried to knock you down, has tried to discourage you, has tried to overwhelm you, make you afraid financially. I believe that God's about to shine his light through your company. God's about to give you creative, strategic ideas for your finances, for your business. You're about to get a second wind from heaven. God's about to turn things around. It's the middle of the year. 
God says, you've walked through enough adversity. Get ready. You have pressed through. You have persevered. You have not thrown in the towel. You being here at church today in a place of humility, God says, I'm about to exalt those who humble themselves. I'm about to bring up those who have lowered themselves. God says, I'm about to use you in a greater way. You're going to help this city. You're going to help other people that are in need. I am blessing you to be a blessing. I am blessing you to help those that are hurting. I am blessing you to be your the hands and the feet of God, compassion to those that are in need, to those that are searching for a job, to those that are waiting on a job, waiting on a promotion. I just hear the Lord saying, don't you give up. Don't you stop praying. Don't you stop waiting. Those that are waiting on a spouse. God says, I have prepared you and I am preparing the thing for you. And I am using this hour in Jesus name. He says, I am cultivating in you a trust in me, a dependence on me, and I will promote you in due time. Do not grow weary in well-doing, for your harvest will come if you don't give up. How do I not give up? I live by the Spirit. I yield to the Holy Spirit. My flesh craves to to give in to the, the hopelessness of what the flesh feels. My emotions want me to give in to what my flesh wants. How do I overcome those emotions, those feelings, those tired, exhausted, fleshly desires to just lay down and quit? I yield to the Holy Spirit. I come under his authority. I say, Holy Spirit, I need you. I trust you. Right now, he's filling you with power. He's filling you with strength. Pentecost is coming right here, right now, in Jesus' name. He's convicting you of sin, not to condemn you, but to set you free. He's saying, just repent of that. God loves you. He forgives you. He wants to help you in that. He wants to give you victory over that. Just confess it to the Lord today. And God says, I am faithful and just to forgive you of that, to save you, to save your household. Just pray this with me. Say, Jesus, I surrender. I repent of my sins. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your salvation. Holy Spirit, thank you that you live in me, direct me, counsel me, guide me. I surrender. Lord, let your kingdom come. Your will be done in my life. I yield to your Holy Spirit. I'm all yours, God. I'm trusting in you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.